folks welcome to a Knicks miss edition of the Knicks world podcast i'm your host as always kyle maggio joined by my co-host sean Geddes and mike cortez what's going on boys yeah what is up it's christmas time baby that it is i, I wish we were riding a little bit more high into this particular episode ahead of uh you can't really pencil in a w for the Knicks this season but what, what looks to be a slightly easier matchup against the really newly and recently decimated by COVID Atlanta Hawks who are going to be headlining uh, Bogdanovich basically in this Christmas game. So, um, but before we get to the Christmas stuff, before we get to the Christmas game with the Hawks, uh, a lot of things happened this week, pretty much right after we recorded, which always seems to be the timing with our podcast for some strange reason. Uh, We always think we got everything. And then the next day, all the news breaks. So uh, basically since the last time we spoke to you gentlemen, well, gentle, not gentlemen, spoke to you folks. Sorry for that. Uh, Derek Rose, who was missing time with an ankle injury, just game to game, is officially out six to eight weeks. Not great. Not great. Uh, I, I think, didn't he get surgery? Yep. Yeah. Had to, had to get surgery on the ankle. So uh, it's unfortunate because by all accounts, he was the best most consistent guard this team had this season. Um, as we know, he was leading the bench unit and the bench unit was our best unit. So it's rather unfortunate that at a pretty pivotal time, as we enter midseason here, uh, we lose that kind of guard play. Um, so, you know, get, get better soon. Derek, we need you, obviously, uh, we, you know, but get healthy and get right. And hopefully we can hold down the fort for the second half of the season. Um, but we did get some reinwor- uh, reinforcements back this week. Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, finally, finally, finally are back out of the health and safety protocols. Now Grimes was active last night along with Obi Toppin. Obi played very briefly last night. Um, R.J. was not back yet, but I don't think that was anything wild. I think he, you know, per Tibbs, he was just the last guy uh, later in the day to have passed and cleared to get out of health and safety protocols. So it was more just a timing thing. It sounded like three, four o'clock was when they got the news for him. So, you know, 5.30, Tibbs has his press store and starts going through pregame stuff. It was probably just not enough time to evaluate RJ accurately. Uh, it would have been really kind of forcing him to get back. So uh, he will be back for the Christmas game, I assume. Um, I'm assuming we will see more of the other two guys then also. But, you know, the one guy who hasn't played a lot more lately since Derek Rose went out and the guy that we got to touch on, especially after last night and over the last three games, Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker is back in a big way, a big way, uh, really, really making Tibbs eat shit every time he gets out there now. So, Mike, I'm going to throw it up to you first as, as our you know resident BX man. Uh, how, how's Kemba making you feel? How's Kemba been looking for you? And uh, how important is it for this team right now? It's hugely important because of, I feel like scoring has been the main problem once again, but the defense has been bad. But anyway, I kind of feel like now looking back on it, that benching was kind of like in Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby's dad puts the fake Coke underneath his car. 
and then Ricky Bobby turns back into Ricky Bobby because since Kemba came back into the starting lineup, he's averaging 31 points per game, shooting 44% from the field, okay, but 44% from three. And last night in particular, in addition to shooting, I felt like we finally saw the driving that we thought we were going to get when he first came. So he kind of really looks like Kemba again. And the before the Rose injury, I felt like that scoring punch was needed, but now that Rose is out... I feel like this is perfect timing. Now you can start staggering him with a defensive compliment, Deuce McBride, or quickly. But yeah, this is huge. This is everything I wanted to see. And last night was special. I'm so pissed that they've ruined it. It was a very mellowy type of performance from Kemba where he puts his heart into it, played 43 minutes, 44 points, and they just couldn't get the win. But like I said, it was everything I dreamed of when he came here. Yeah, man. What we got from Kemba last night was really beautiful to see because, like Mike said, like, it was what we envisioned when he got here. And I feel like before last night, and there's a few people that are like, oh, Knicks fans, do a scapegoat to him. Like, I don't want to do that. We don't have to do that. Like, we don't have to do revisionist history. He wasn't playing well. He was removed from the lineup. You can feel however you may feel about it, but it wasn't like some large injustice or some conspiracy. Kemba himself said he wasn't being as aggressive. He says that that's the difference since he got back, and it's making a huge difference. I mean, I literally feel like I can count on one hand how many times Kemba drove to attack the basket in the first stint when he was playing. And, you know, one of them is the baseline uh, Hezo in and out against Sabonis. Um, there's one play where he split a trap against Charlotte and got to the basket while he was on fire from three and they were overplaying the screen. But like, that's, that's how scarce it was. Like I can literally remember them and point them out. And he was just doing it so much yesterday. Like he was turning the corner, he was splitting the trap. He was getting into the paint. Um, he was taking bigs off the dribble and finishing with the inside hand, like those vintage Kemba things that we've seen for so long that honestly, I was afraid weren't there anymore. I mean, in that first stint in the season, I mean, you know, granted, it was lack of aggression, him trying to find his way in, fit his way in. You know, the scheme was for Julius to handle the ball most of the time, which I don't think should be the scheme anymore. Also, shout out to Tibbs for these past couple games. Um, he frustrates us with a lot of things, but the ball has been going through Kemba a lot more. Um, and that's that's going to be our path to success as a basketball team. Like, we're going to have to let the point guard play point guard. Uh, the Julius thing isn't working. Um and, you know, it doesn't have to. Like, last year we had to do that because we didn't have a real point guard. I mean, Kemba last night had 44, 9, and 8. And in the game before that, he had 8 rebounds. Like, he's been active. Like, he had, he's, he's active on the boards. He's active defensively. He was fighting over screens. You know, he's not the greatest defender, but at least he's in position. He's trying. Um, and offensively, he's giving us a lot. He's coming off that uh, pick and roll. He's ready to let it fly. He's got multiple options when he comes off. They step up too hard. He's attacking off the dribble. Like, that's what we need. And I think that that can help get everyone else involved. Um, guys really sold – Julius sold Kemba. Evan Fournier sold Kemba. Like, guys really sold Kemba last night, and it was really disappointing. But um, I'm glad that he's come back with the vengeance that he has. I really like the aggressive – you know, the aggressiveness we're seeing from him. Um, and it's night and day from the first stint uh, before the benching. So I guess the benching worked out, whatever, whatever it may have taken. Um, you know, I'm just very happy that somebody's out there playing well at guard for the Knicks. Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, I, as the resident Julie, you know, Julius defender this season, it's gotten to a point where, he, look, he's, the whole point with the upgrades is to do what Sean just touched on, which was to run more of the offense through more of the guards and hopefully the guards were good enough to be able to handle that role responsibly. You know, you know, the last 
three games after being benched for the last 10 prior to that. Kemba's averaging 31.3 points, 7.7 rebounds, uh, 5.3 assists, you know, versus just one turnover. That's an excellent assist-to-turnover ratio, and he's making five threes a game. Obviously, mostly the scoring. He's not going to score 30 the rest of the season. It's not fully sustainable, but the point is it should be sustainable enough where he's averaging closer to 20. I think that's reasonable. It's what he did last year, too. He's not – I'm sorry. I mean, I know he's maybe fallen off a little bit, but I don't truly believe that he's fallen off a cliff after being 25-5, and five, even if it was slightly inefficient or slightly, you know, not super great for the Celtics last year. That's still a version of a player that is useful for this Knicks team, and they have to utilize him in such a way. And, look, I love Julius, but the thing is, teams blitz him all the time. We know that in the data he's one of the most – frequently doubled players in the league at this point. And the way that teams do it are very creative. They, they know when he likes to drive and kick, and they know that they can force him into making a bad decision if they blitz him as he enters the paint. The whole reason we got these guys like Kemba is to try to get Julius to not have to deal with that pressure every single trip. And a lot of times, he's either forcing it, or he's not seeing it, or he makes his reads a bit too late, or... If he's not making that read, he's forcing up a bad shot into the double. And these are things he's got to clean up. You know, they, they really are at this point. And I, you know, my stance normally, I don't like to panic about things until we get past a quarter way into the season. And now we're well past that. And this is still an issue. So, yeah, I mean, Kemba's got to play like this to be able to help Julius properly. And Julius has to start learning how to play off of him now. I know it was a lot last year, like Sean said. We had to run through Julius last year. We had to depend on Julius as a top 10-ish player in the NBA last season, 10 to 15, pretty easily. He's not that guy right now. And in addition to that, the defenses are keying in on him in a way that we saw in the playoffs, except it's every night now. So Julius has to learn, like, less is more a little bit, and he's got to learn how to play off of these things. And to do that, guys got to be stepping up regularly to help him, like Kemba is. So hopefully we keep seeing this from Kemba Walker, because this is really, truly what you want to see. Obviously, last night, you know, 44 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. I mean, that's that's loony. That's like that like dream scenario game from Kemba. It was so much fun to watch. You love to see a guard cooking, especially a point guard cooking for the Knicks in that way. We never see that. We never have a point guard ever who's able to do these things. So you love to see that kind of stuff. But now we got to see it more consistently. After these three games, I mean, what's going to be the baseline for him when he settles in? That's what's going to be really important for us to start seeing from him because that's going to be sort of how we figure out the next steps for this offense. Because, like again, like Sean said, Tibbs has been running more shit through Kemba. So what's going to be – how are they going to settle it? What's that going to look like for both the team? What's that going to look like for Julius moving forward? Because ultimately that's going to be the way for them to take a step forward as a team. The defense, though, they'll have to figure out, of course, it's it hasn't been great uh, – but, I mean, at least offensively, like, this is a thing that they can control pretty easily if they just do the right things. And we, I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a trend that's going to maintain for a bit. Kyle, while we're on the subject of just people soloing out Kemba, I need to give you your flowers for everybody. Evan Fournier was a disaster yesterday, not just because he shot 2 of 13. That shit happens. But there were many instances where he was just literally standing and watching, like Bargnani standing and watching type stuff. There was one time he shot a three, and the offense, it was when Obi got the offensive rebound, and he's just staring at it. Like, I almost threw my phone. There's no defense for that in my, like, I really like what's, I asked this last time, but what is the payoff? Because 
as we said last time, he had three good games against bottom feeders and Boston Celtics. He plays a modestly decent team, and he completely shot himself. I don't see why he has to at least be in the rotation. I know asking him to get rid of him is a little crazy, but if Kemba had to get benched, why can't this guy? I just don't get it. That all, that's all that I'm saying. Like, I, And I've been trying to, like, you know, everybody likes to be extreme all the time on Twitter. As soon as somebody takes a bad shot or has a turnover, we got to pull this guy, we got to bench this guy, get this bum out of my sight. I'm trying to be reasonable, okay? He can do stuff on offense sometimes. But the issue is it's not consistent enough for the payoff with how low of an effort he gives everywhere else. Very simply put, and we've seen it all season, and if you actually watch basketball, you saw it his entire career. This is what he does. He probably played a little bit better in Orlando for the last better part of a decade because he had a super green light. He had all the reason to feel comfortable when he had the ball. So, yeah, over time, you know what you're going to do every night because you can do whatever you want. You probably play a little bit better. Here, that was never going to be the case. You were never going to be the focal point. You were barely ever going to be the number two. You were just a release valve for the offense. And if you can't be good in that role and you don't even give enough of an effort everywhere else, and he's not capable of being a good defender. He's just not. He's capable of being maybe passable on a good day. Maybe. Maybe smart enough to be passable if he's given effort, right? But he's not really a good defender. He never has been. He never will be. That's fine. You you knew that when you were signing him. You were signing him for his offense. So if the offense isn't there, I'm not saying banish him. I'm never saying these things, but there's a way to make guys impactful and you got to just minimize roles. And, you know, like you just mentioned about Kemba, they banished him. They did. I say all the time, let's not be extreme. They banished Kemba. They did an extreme. So what is the issue with going, oh, he's overextended in his starters minutes. He can't play against opposing team starters. We got to bring him off the bench and let him try to eat off the bench. What, where do guys in this, this league play when they can't do anything besides score the ball? They come off the bench. Isn't that the entire reason as sixth, sixth and seventh man, right? Oh, we need that scoring punch. We're going to bring this guy in. That should be Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier comes in. You try to let him rock a little bit. You get him some looks. You get him going. And then hopefully he scores a little bit. And then you don't overextend him. As starters start to come back in, you bring him back to the bench. That should be his role. I don't know why we have some – we actually have capable guards. I'm not saying anybody's a star, but you got enough options where we've seen guys. You know, Deuce McBride looked good. Uh, Quentin Grimes, pretty much every time he's out there, he looks really good on defense, and he shoots the same rate as Fournier does, at least on his threes, right? He's shooting those same looks. So he probably fits that role better to just catch and shoot and be low usage with the starting group. I just don't know why we have to pretend, even if you, like, I, we keep doing the quickly point too, because it's like, I mean, I know he's in health and safety protocols right now, but I don't care if you consider quickly a one. I don't care if you consider him a two. I consider him a guard, and I consider him a guard that could play either spot. So if you need him to be the two, he can. He's played good defense. Why can't quick step up? Why can't I mean you could almost pick anybody else? Spare me the oh you you, you don't want to start two small guards thing. What does it matter? We're getting absolutely blitzed. Corey Kispert was going to have a career night last night, and we knew that before tip off. But what happened to Corey Kispert with his career high of thirteen points last night? He is a rookie, granted, not like he's been around for so long. But what did he have last night? Twenty points. You put anybody on the wing last night, they're not getting covered because Fournier doesn't do nothing. If you watch all those possessions last night, he's guiding guys into the paint, guiding guiding man he's scared to get beat off the dribble so he plays back and then even when they do run at him he's not fast enough to keep up so what's what is the point here 
I mean, that, that's the frustrating thing. I hate to belabor this point, especially the three games prior to that. He was shooting the ball better. He was scoring well. That's fine. That's great. But the issue is always going to be if he's not scoring the ball, what else is he doing? And the answer is always not. Nothing. It's nothing. And it's really upsetting. And honestly, I'm at the banishment point. Like, and I, and I know that and I feel comfortable being here because I know truly how hard I tried not to be. Like, I went into yesterday's game like, yo, you know what? Got to turn a page in this season. I don't want to keep complaining about Fournier. He's played three, you know, he's shot well in three straight games. And honestly, even that's not true. But whatever. We tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. We applauded this man for scoring 22 points on 24 shots. He went 9 of 24 and scored 22 points, and we were happy. We are not asking for much. So it's not like we're like, yo, you got to come out here and shoot 60% every night and score 25 points. That's not the case, bro. We just want you to score and look like you care about the game. And it doesn't look like he cares. And on, so it's like on an area, he goes two for 13. Well, that's disgusting. Shouldn't really be happening. It's one thing if it's a one-off thing, but it's kind of more his norm. And on, on top of that, like you said, he's guiding guys into the paint. He doesn't move his feet. He's not quick enough. He doesn't react. And then the most upsetting part, there was a play, and honestly, it kind of ruined the first seven to eight minutes of post-game pouting yesterday because it was so egregious that I felt like I had to show people, but I'm not that experienced with Streamlabs, so I was playing in the background the whole time. But, like, he came – he was guarding Raul Neto. Raul Neto came off a screen, very weak screen. He doesn't really fight through the screen very hard, but then he still gets through it. He's walking Raul Neto to the basket. He gets by him, so Mitch steps up to contest. Neto, like, throws the pass behind his head to Montrez Harrell. Beautiful pass, but at the very least, once he got beat and Mitch stepped to his man, he's supposed to now drop and tag the big so that the, that pass isn't there, or if the shot goes up, he can be in position to box out. But what does he do? Once his man gets past him, that's it. Now he's just watching the play, and that's disgusting. And he does the same thing on rotation. They, like, there, any, if there's ever a very, very, very open three-pointer, like Fournier's defense is so bad that sometimes when I see a shot and it's like, yo, how the hell is he that wide open? I will rewind the game live and watch it again. Whose fault is this? And often it's Evan Fournier because he doesn't rotate. Like a lot of times when we get stops, like there was a game recently where he was off the floor and guys were flying around. We were proud of the defense. And it might have been a Warriors game down the stretch. I don't remember. But everybody has to fly out to their man. If you if you get beat, if you uh, like if you the rotation misses or whatever, the next guy's gotta be closing out. Fournier breaks that whole thing down because once he gets beat, he's just out of the play. He doesn't try to recover, he doesn't try to figure out where he can go to next. None of that. He just stands around and watches. And it's gross, bro. And honestly, it's really hard to have a good team and a good defensive team, especially with him being on the floor for what, 38 minutes last night. There's just no way it's not possible. If you got a guy on the floor for 38 minutes who doesn't care. And like the play that Mike alluded to earlier, that play was honestly one of the most disgusting things I've seen watching basketball in quite some time. And that was where like, I really, it, it really broke. It was a straw that broke the camel's back for me because he shot the three and it was a double clutch three pointer. First of all, it was a sidestep double clutch three-pointer, whatever end of the shot clock you got to put up where you're going to put up. But you would think that as, when you're putting up a double clutch three-pointer, you'd be even more inclined to go get the rebound. So then the rebound comes directly back to him, going, bouncing toward the corner. He looks at it and makes a conscious decision not to go get the ball and just keeps going the other way. And an Obi who was further away from it than he was has to go save it so we can get another possession. And it's just like, that's another possession in the game 
that you were just going to forfeit because you didn't want to give the effort. That's disgusting, bro. Bench that guy. Bench that guy. I'm sorry. Hashtag bench the French. Hashtag end of Evan. I've had it up to here. Like, that. I'm done, bro. I'm done. There's no no 9 for 24 performance of his is going to sway me again. I've seen enough. I don't want him on the floor anymore. We get Grimes back. We get McBride back. We're about to get Quick back. You know, Burks played well yesterday. Like, we have more than enough people. He does not have to play. We did it to Kemba. I don't see why we can't do it to him, just like you just said, Kyle. Like, he shouldn't be above that, especially because he's been playing like shit all year. Amen. And the more confusing part is the selling point that they tried to make is, oh, Fournier and Kemba played under Clifford, so they understand defensive intensity. They really don't. At least Kemba's trying now, but Fournier doesn't. And that play that you talked about kind of embodies the difference between the bench unit and the starters, where Obi went balls out, got the ball, Fournier just watched it. I feel like that's been the main difference. When the bench mob was together, they play defense on a string. Obi Toppin's not a great defender, but he's been much better on defense than Evan Fournier by a considerable amount. And it's all about effort. Like, we're just not seeing that. And I feel like if it's a meritocracy, as Tib says, where he bases stuff off how you perform – Evan Fournier has played 936 minutes this season. That's second to only Julius, who's played over 1,000 already, which is wild. Like, that's just not – That's I mean, you are have a losing record for a reason if that's the guy playing the second most minutes on your team. It, it's just not going to work, man. It, it just isn't. I think, you know, I you got to know when to cut your losses on some of this stuff, and you got to know when to make a real big adjustment. And if, like we keep repeatedly saying, if they did it for Kemba, you got to do something with Fournier. You got to bring him off the bench. You got to minimize this because this is getting to be out of hand. I get you handed him a, a massive contract that everybody loves to justify repeatedly by saying, oh, but look at what Norm Powell's making. Well, Norm Powell's a better player. That's that's why, you know, uh, Fournier didn't deserve this amount of money he got. It's not, oh, well, other players are making this amount and it's not that bad. Sure, in a vacuum. But then look at what you're getting. We've seen a, a gargantuan amount of minutes from Fournier. Mind you, this is a guy for six, seven games to begin the year, wasn't even playing second halves or fourth quarters, and he still has over 900 minutes, and he's second to only Julius on this team. And Julius plays most of the games. So look how many minutes this guy's out there. He's out there an impossible amount of minutes. You've almost watched 1,000 minutes of this guy in such a short part of the season. You've seen enough of what he can do, and most of it is stuff he can't do. So you got to make an adjustment because this is going to kill them all year. We, we keep saying it, but you can't win games. They, they Tibbs, first of all, schematically, loves to have the wings help off of the corners for no reason whatsoever. Like, everybody, you know, rightfully, Julius got killed last night for those Coos uh, threes. But if you watch, he's stepping up early every time to play the drive. Why is that part of the scheme? This is not just him. The other side, they do this too. They step up to play the drive because the point of attack is so weak. So you know the point of attack is weak schematically you're changing your defense to hedge that a bit so that your wings are coming your back you know the back line is coming up to help you with with your shitty point of attack defense because Fournier can't stop a nosebleed Kemba no offense as much as I love him and he was excellent last night not nitpicking but he's not a good defender so yeah that's kind of an issue if every time you know and expect ahead of time that somebody's going to be in the paint somebody's going to be driving and it's going to be a problem so we're, we're kind of starting to get a disadvantage every defensive possession because teams know this and teams game us every time they come down. Dinwiddie last night was going off. A lot of assists too, but what was he doing? He was very patient last night. You guys watched it. He was very patient. All he did was dribble up a little. He knew these guys were going to come. 
because he knows the point of attack is shit. So he waits, waits, waits. They start to step up. Bang, it's going to the corner. It wasn't just Kisper. It wasn't just Kuz. It wasn't just Holiday. It was all of those guys. They were all open in the corners or on the wing. Why? Because by design, in addition to the shitty point of attack defense, this is what's going to happen. And teams know how to play us. They play us like a fiddle every single time, man. They get us every single time. Every game we watch the same game, basically. It's the same game. Defensively, it's the same game. Teams do the same shit. You got to tweak this. Because like when people talk about like the, us getting late on contests, usually we always talk about it just being, just being the player. It's mostly on the player because he's out there. For sure. I agree. But schematically, we've seen so many minutes now with this defense, and they do this every game. It doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter if the team's shorthanded or not. They step up for the point of attack. They leave the corners open. We're not going to win games in the NBA in 2021 if guys are wide open all game behind the three-point line. We're just not going to. Teams are shooting lights out against us to begin with, in addition to us just leaving guys open. I don't know what else we got to do here except for change the scheme a little bit. And yeah, guys got to play better, but like stay home, stay home in the corner. Like, and if you can't, then you need to change your point of attack defense. It's, it's quite simple to me. Even if it's just one guy and you leave Kemba out there, like Mike just said, you leave Kemba out there, you plug in Grimes at the two and then Fournier eats off the bench. You, you got to do something different because you can't have two guys who are seeds at the top. It just does not work. So that's, that's my main issue because it's a perpetual ongoing every night issue with these games that defense is not going to get fixed the way that, that, that it's going. And it's more disappointing that we see tweaks with the offense from Tibbs right now with like Kemba, but we're not seeing tweaks on defense. And that to me is, is really disappointing for a guy who's a defensive stickler, a defensive mastermind. I mean, we hear him yell at Evan all game. We hear him screaming Evan on the sideline. The screaming is not endearing anymore when you do it every game. You're just leaving a guy out there who's never going to defend, never going to play passable defense, and then screaming. All right, man. I mean, he, he stinks. We know it. You know it because you're screaming. So what are we going to do about it now? We played 30-plus games. What are we going to do about it now, man? Uh, what are we going to do? Wait till game 75 to change it again like the Alfred thing? I mean, at some point, like, be a head coach, man. Do your job. It's making hard decisions. Like, I, I don't ever like to do the, do the tip slander all that much because, like, yeah, like the first year – he was here, you know, it was a big jump and everything was great. But, you know, year two is when teams start to figure you out. Julius is figuring this out now. Our defense is figuring out this now. So what are we going to do to tweak it? You know, that's really what, what I need to see done here. Yeah, and the scheme is really getting on my nerves because very rarely when that help comes from the corner, does it ever actually impact the drive? It kind of just gives an outlet, like, here, kick it out there so you don't drop. And, like, because you've been saying this all year, Kyle. If you have a shot blocker, why not let him block shots? Like, why not rely on him to impact the shots at the basket? I don't know. Mitch did a great job with that. You know, Mitch has been playing pretty well recently as well. Last night he was in foul trouble the majority of the game. But, like, allow him to do that because what's happening is we're crashing from the corners every single time teams are spraying it out there because they know like if we see it they definitely see it so like teams know that that's the way to go that's the way to beat us and they're doing it over and over again and that man that comes to help from the corner isn't really impacting the drive so all he's doing is getting caught in no man's land the ball moves faster than a man there is no way for him to get back out there to the corner yes those closeouts are late but they could only be but so early and that's something like since we struggle with rotation, especially while Fournier is on the floor and we don't rotate well, he doesn't rotate actively. 
a lot of times we get beat before it's even a rotation. Like, it's just bad. Like, we get beat when the ball moves. We get beat when the ball doesn't. It's disgusting. You're right. We need to make a defensive change because we can't keep getting beaten by the same thing all year. There's the same blueprint to beat us on, on offense all year. Yeah, look, it's just disappointing. And we, we just got, it's time. It's been time for some changes. So, you know, Tibbs, it's time to earn your money, man. You got a five-year deal. We just started year two. I don't want to be on this podcast sounding like a broken record for the next three years. I don't. I really don't. Sean does not. Mike does not. No, none of us do. I don't want to talk about the same issues. You guys don't want to hear about the same issues. I prefer not to keep talking about it. You know, but when there's not many things to highlight, aside from little one-off games or stretches, like, unfortunately, this is very old, you know, mixed-wall podcast where we're talking about bad teams playing bad and things not changing in that. So, you know, obviously, I've, I've been pretty high and positive since last year, and I try to maintain that. I try to give them some time to figure it out this year. But, you know, reality has set in. Uh, I, we said a lot on this pod, it's getting late fast for a lot of these guys and for this team. And, I mean, we're falling fast. We're fading fast. What are we, 13 and 18 now? I mean, this is, not, this is not what you want. And, like, I do want to once again point out, like, last year, as good, you know, fun as it was because expectations were so low, they didn't exactly come out guns blazing last year. They, they didn't do great, but at least they kind of hovered 500 a little bit more. And then eventually they went on a run, but they were never, like, outright five, six, seven games under five. Sorry, we're 14 and 18. But, you know, not – we shouldn't be this low. We shouldn't be the 12 seed again. You know what I mean? Like other teams are struggling. Granted, we had expectations also like the Hawks, but either way, like the Celtics aren't that good. You know, like the, the, we, sh we should be better than what our record is. Like just period, like period. And it's shit that we've done to beat ourselves more than teams have done to beat us because teams can play. Like, for example, the only team I feel like really whoops our ass is the Raptors because the Raptors, terrify us on both sides of the ball they not only know how to game us on offense but they know exactly when to kill us on defense know exactly when to zone up they know exactly when to send doubles they're probably the smartest team that plays us every time they play us raptors i always like to give credit to because they murder us murder us they're so prepared for us they know exactly how to beat us a lot of these other teams they have like the quick game plan and it just works and then that's it they don't really like have to do too much raptors i feel like top to bottom they know how to like beat us through and through you know so I love giving credit where it's due to other teams, but a lot of times, yeah, I do feel like the Knicks beat themselves. If your second highest paid player on this team plays the way he should, we probably do better. If the highest paid player on this team right now plays like he should, we probably do better. And time, you know, guys got to knuckle up a little bit, man. Fans don't want to see this. It's, it's a, you know, we want to talk great about you guys. We want to be speak positively, but you know, it's time to knuckle up and get your heads out of your asses a little bit. I mean, we know what certain guys on this team are capable of, and it's time to start seeing it regularly and consistently because the last thing you want to do is come into a season. And again, fans were always ridiculous with the 50 win stuff, but this was definitely to me, a pretty clear 40 plus win team, whether it was a 500 ish team and you went there again, because again, that's what they were last year. And then they just had a big nine game run. Sure. Fine. I mean, if you're still on, um, if you're not fading to me, that's still a win. As long as you find a way to get to the playoffs, as long as you find a, a way to win half or most of your games, all that I care about. I, I don't really get stuck on a number, but to be underperforming this regularly on both ends is just, you can't go, you can't take a step backwards this far as a team. And then so many individuals taking a step backwards too. So 
hopefully getting some reinforcements for Christmas is something that's going to help turn this team around. Hopefully getting RJ Barrett back who has been largely disappointing this year. He was playing a little bit better right before his COVID issue, but hopefully getting RJ back. Hopefully he's ready to go. Hopefully he's had some time to think and, and he's going to come, you know, fire under his ass and, and, and we'll be good to go. Hopefully Quentin Grimes getting a little bit more burnt. Hopefully Obi gets more of the usual 12 minutes that he normally gets, but it starts with this Christmas game. And we're going to talk about that and uh, the ghosts of Nick Smith's past right after this break. So look, every year, I generally love that people cry about the Knicks being on Christmas. Normally people cry about it because they think it's undeserving. There's always some young team that they would prefer to have seen, uh, you know, showcased. Uh, And as people often realize, the NBA does not generally care about the younger teams and showcasing younger talent on Christmas. They care about ratings and getting the, the best or biggest market teams in regularly. That will always happen. Uh, cry about it. I don't care. Uh, your tears are delicious to me. But the Knicks are playing again on Christmas. They're playing early. I love when they play early. It's my favorite thing is, is an early Knicks game. Um, but we're playing the Hawks. And everyone was looking forward to this game. We were looking forward to this game since the playoffs last year. Uh, I especially was looking forward to Trey come back to the Garden in a big national television game. I think whether people want to admit it or not, as NBA fans, they were also looking forward to it. Whether you loved or hated the Knicks, you wanted to see Trey go back to the Garden. And to me, that's always good for the Knicks. It's good for the NBA. It's just good for the sport of basketball in general. Unfortunately, we do not get Trey Young. Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of the Atlanta Hawks because they had a very recent outbreak with COVID. So it seems like it's going to be the Bogdanovich show, which, I mean, I'll take it. We are in dire need of a W, but we also can't pencil in anything ever because you saw how the Beal-less Wizards game went last night. So uh, you just got to kind of hope that the Knicks decide to play passable basketball tomorrow. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think, you know, RJ is going to not stink it up. Uh, That's just my perpetual RJ belief. I would like to think that Julius uh, at some point has to be a little bit embarrassed and just wants to, you know, do what he's capable of doing. I can't say anything about the Frenchman in the starting lineup, but I would hope that everybody else starts to do what they they should be doing. Um, But I don't know what your guys take. So I don't know what you guys feel like uh, hopeful about, but I I sort of at least weirdly feel good about a next one tomorrow. I shouldn't maybe, but I I do. I I hate to even say it on this podcast. I feel like I just jinxed it. I really, I really do. I apologize in advance. If it was me, you can blame me. I feel strangely positive about it. Because it doesn't make sense. This team doesn't make sense. So I'm just going off of the instinct that everything feels gross, so they're probably going to win tomorrow. Even if it's ugly, they're going to win. I don't know. Sorry. They should. But one thing, kind of just to tie back to your people being upset about the the Knicks on Christmas, every year, Thanksgiving, we have to watch the Detroit Lions fart it up on our TVs. Grow the fuck up if you're mad about the Knicks. It's MSG. It's always going to be good in some capacity. Like the crowd will go nuts over something. Stop. Moving to this game, I'm going to do some scouting, boys. I want to pitch something to you guys. There's a player. His name is Cam Reddish. He is very available. If we want to do something, why not try and get a wing that has a lot of potential actually plays defense and could kind of help RJ get his groove back. 
somebody he's comfortable with, somebody he shared the wing with before. He can shoot. He can do just about everything. I, I know he hasn't been great thus far. He hasn't lived up to the 10th overall pick, but I'm going to spend this game watching Cam Reddish to see how much he's matured, and I want to see what it is. So, A, are you guys interested in Cam Reddish, and B, would you make a trade for him? Because right now, I think it'll cost like a first-round pick, maybe something else depending on the player, but that's the cost, and I'm very interested. Um, yeah, I'm interested in Will Ferrell's character in semi-pro at this point, as long as I don't have to watch Evan Fournier play basketball, so I'm open to anything. Um, as far as trading for him and giving up an actual asset, uh, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, Cam Reddish, you know, he has good size, he has good length, he's a good defender, he can shoot, um, and he's young, he'll probably, you know, he can grow next to RJ, he's got to get rapport with RJ already, so I wouldn't be upset. Um, I... And that brings me back to my Christmas take, too. The other, like, RJ, Obi, and Grimes are all cleared. They told us that RJ wasn't playing. Okay, cool. He's on a bench in the street clothes. Obi plays a little bit. Grimes doesn't play at all. And I'm wondering if Grimes didn't play at all because he wasn't ready to. Like, I'm hoping that was the case. You know, hope, so I'm hoping we see a lot of Grimes minutes on Christmas. Um, when I saw Dotson and Daniel House get out there, and he didn't, I was very confused. Um, so... But, yeah, I, I I like Quentin Grimes. I feel like we just drafted a first-round pick who's a wing who can do these things. So I'd like to give Quentin Grimes the opportunity, but you also can never have too much actual talent. So I'm 100%, like, I'm I'm down for I'm down for Cam Reddish, but I'm also down for Quentin Grimes, and I like to see him on the court. Like, I, I'm hoping that we get to see that this Christmas. I, I think him and RJ can be a great wing duo. Uh, they both play defense well. They can both shoot three. Um and, you know, I think Quentin Grimes can shoot three at a high volume while also being a very active player, like, defensively and on the boards. So that's really the main thing. I mean, if we lose to the Hawks tomorrow, like, it's just going to be a very, very, very dark Christmas because, like, there's no reason to lose this game tomorrow. Like, they, they're undermanned, all that. Um, they, Sean took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to any, anybody when the bar is Evan Fournier, so... I, I don't even like Cam Reddish. I've been notoriously very low on Cam Reddish. I think he's worth the flyer. I would prefer not to give up an asset. I agree, but at the same time, I don't know what we are saving our assets for anymore when it seems we're never really involved in trades. So if it takes one first to you know take a flyer on a higher upside guy, I'm not really opposed because we do have more picks to work with. I just don't know when they're ever going to finally go to the well and use them. Uh, I, I really wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be upset at it. Uh, I just think, yeah, we got to start throwing some darts here. I think he'd be a fine dart to throw. However, Sean just said it might be a dark Christmas, but there is breaking news. We finally caught on this podcast. It never happens. It never works out this way. Normally, we produce the pod, we publish the pod, and then we miss the news. However, we got news right now, this instant, and Emmanuel quickly has been cleared from health and safety protocols and rejoin the team. We might get quick in time for tomorrow. It is a Christmas miracle. Yes, sir. Quick is back, baby. Amazing. Quick time. Amazing. Amazing. At a time when we needed somebody to stop stinking it up from the two spot, we got Emmanuel quickly back. With Derrick Rose gone six to eight weeks and we needed someone to step up, uh, you know, not just Kemba, we got Emmanuel quickly back. This is an amazing turn of events. 
we if they lose to the Hawks tomorrow with Emmanuel quickly back with pretty much everybody back but Deuce Knox at this point uh, and, and Noel. Knox, yeah, that's it. And, well, and no, Deuce and Knox, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, no. All right. That's... <laughs> it's, it's Hopefully, just... Nerlens is okay. But... <laughs> the, the amount, the amount that, the amount that Sean hates Noel to the fact where Knox makes the list over him there. <laughs> <laughs> that's down bad. That's that's that, that's like a like a like a Maggio esque level of hate. You know, I yeah. I really I aspire to get back to that level of hatred. And shout out to the person on Twitter that said COVID was the first thing Noel was able to catch this year because that that's that's just that's cool. hilarious. I felt awful for la- awful for laughing, but I oh, had me to too. Laugh. Once again, I hope he's okay. I hope he's good. Yeah, and his family is good. All of that health wise and all that. And I don't hate Ernest Noel. I just hate watching him play basketball. I want to make that very clear. Like good guy. Really hope he's okay. Uh, Jericho Sims is easily better though. Like one hundred percent. We didn't really talk about Sims. That dude is flying. Oh. Like I'm not like flying. I'm not trying to sound like a hater with Sims. I'm not even. It's not even a slanderous thing. I think he's. I think he's good. I like the energy he provides. I think he's been helpful. Last night he was hustling around for some rebound. So often though, he, although he ends up in the right spot sometimes, he looks like he has no idea what he's doing. He's just like <laughs> a hyper athlete jumping around, and it's not a. I'm. I'm trying. I'm not like being negative. It's more just he's a really young, freak athlete who's like just getting the beginning of his NBA minutes. So like the context is important, but I feel like sometimes he's just out there and it's like all energy, but he's not really sure where he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to be doing, but he's still been pretty damn good in the limited minutes that he's gotten. So I do like what I've seen. I just, you know, settle in young man, just, you know, take, take it easy. Just a little bit, take, take like that extra half a second to just, you know, think, where you're supposed to go. This is like, it's rookie stuff. So I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm not picking on him or anything, but like sometimes he gets in there and it's just like balls to the wall. It's like, bro, like I appreciate it, but like, like just like a like 10% back, just scale it back 10% and just like, you know, think a little bit more. That's all. It'll, it'll come with time. But I, I look, I like what I've seen from him. This is why when we drafted him, I remember we were on this pod and, and all of us basically said, what, what did we think about the Sims pick? And and all of us said, oh, it was like their last pick in the draft. Like, yeah, take take the swing on the hyper athlete who maybe could do some stuff. And if it works out, great. If not, nobody expected you to do shit with that pick anyway, right? Good swing, good swing. I think we're seeing lately why we we wanted that approach, basically. Bingo, that approach is working out very well. That was like, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, he's he's out of place a little bit sometimes. He's adjusting, but he's improved so much from, like, the beginning of the year. And he just adds to us, like, you know, the the lob threat that he is. Like, on one play, he set an off-ball screen and cut back door and breaks through it, like, over the top of the entire defense. And boom, alley-oop. That's not available with Nerlens Noel on the floor. That's not an option. And I feel like, you know, we can have that kind of ability on. And he's a great offensive rebounder. Like he's in the offensive. We can have a great offensive rebound on the floor at all times. Like, come on, man. It's, it's simple. I don't need to see number three come out of a warm up anymore. I like Noel, but yeah, he's starting to get that thing where you realize you paid this guy 10 million a year for a couple of years. And it's just like, did you really have to do that? Yeah, so I, I would like to see all of these guards playing tomorrow, and I would like to see Fournier relegated to the bench on Christmas. I think that's what he deserves for giving us the season that we got. Look, quickly, quickly back, we we clearly need 
I don't know why we have to repeat ourselves in this pod, but we need the offensive upside from our guards that play like, like true upside, not the, the once every two weeks upside that we get from Fournier. We need like every game we're going to get. If you play quickly, big minutes, you're going to get 10 to 15 points a night. Like you can't even say that about Fournier most nights, right? Because he'll score 15 to 20 as his good games. And then he scores single digits. And then I don't think you're really going to get that from quick. If you actually gave him the minutes, but I, I need to see these guys getting the minutes now. You got a mostly full roster now, and Tibbs has to make the most of it. Like, shake some shit up tomorrow. You can't just keep trotting the same guys out doing the same scheme. Shake some shit up. Quickly was not even on protocols that long, so I don't think he really had COVID. I think he was just exposed. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a doctor. I can't truly speculate, but he he did come in after he was, what, the fourth or fifth guy on the list, and he ended up getting cleared around the same time as the first couple guys, so just doing my math here, the math seems to be mathing the proper way. I think he's probably pretty okay. He was playing pretty well before he went down. Uh, so, you know, let him get the basketball on the court and play, you know, some of those 38 gargantuan minutes that Evan Fournier gets, and I think we'll be in better shape. That should I be the backcourt really. to me. I really think you should just try. I mean, Burks, I like you, but I think he's better served on the bench. Try Kemba and quickly. Just quickly is not a bad defender. I think it could work, especially once RJ's back, assuming he's back tomorrow, which he should be. I think you should try that out. What's the worst that could happen? Nothing. Not only is quickly not a bad defender, because he's been a very good defender this year, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he would be replaced. You wouldn't be losing anything defensively. Like some people might look at that and be like, oh, the size, blah, 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 blah. Regardless of the size differential, he's still a better defender than Fournier against any position that Fournier would be defending. Like letting a guy being four inches taller so that you can let the guy walk by you from a higher vantage point doesn't mean anything. Like, so we can play manual quickly, bro. Like, yeah, we can play it quickly. We can play grinds. We got options, bro. Like, even if you want to leave Burks out there and just do Campbell Burks, RJ, whatever. But honestly, Fournier really shouldn't even be playing, but at least he should be coming off the bench. That would be a Christmas miracle. I don't expect it. Um, I'm not going to set myself up for further disappointment on Christmas. So just win the game, bro. That's, that's, that's my take. Win the game. I'm going to be, it's going to be really, I'm going to be the Grinch if we find a way to lose to the everybody list Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. So I want to get off talking about the current Nick situation just briefly, because I feel like we've covered everything we could have covered, but what I do want to talk about is again, we love Nixmas. Nixmas is a great time for us, mostly because people are crying about it. Um, and then I just get to enjoy my early matinee and then I get to have a good time. But as much as people have cried about it, there's been a lot of really good and memorable games that have happened at MSG and with the Knicks. Uh, it's just a fact. Again, cry about it. Your tears are delicious to me, but I want to, you know, lob this up. Uh, Sean, I'll throw it to you first. But what is your favorite Nixmas game or memory? Um, I have, I share, I share one with you that you said earlier, but I'll let you have that one. Cause that, that was, that was golden. Um, but I, I, I might have to say the year there was a lockout and the league started on Christmas and we played the Celtics. That was Iman Shumpert's rookie year. I was like a really, really big Iman Shumpert fan. Um, and he, that was when he was playing point guard and he played really well that game. And like, you know, it was showing off his athleticism. Melo was burying the Celtics. And this was like, I, I believe this was coming into Melo's first full season as a Nick. 
We were all super excited about a bunch of things. It was a really good game. And Melo put the Celtics away down the stretch. And that was like a good start to my Christmas. Like I really enjoyed that made that made Christmas happy. Uh, so that's probably my favorite Nixmas memory. So uh, Mike, what about you? I have a tie. So the 2010 team before right before Melo got there, for some reason. It's like a special team to me. I always loved them, especially during that run right after Amari called them out. And that year they took on D Rose and the Bulls, who were very good. I'm pretty sure that's the year Rose went on to an MVP. If I'm not, if it wasn't, it was like the year before, year after. But that was a really fun game. That was while they were in their win streak. Amari had that block on Rose. That's the infamous block. Then he had 20 and 10 or something like that. Danilo played well. Raymond Felton, the Nick Goat, played well. Ronnie Turiaf was always a favorite of mine. And then the 2012 in L.A. with Kobe and Mello both scoring 34. I know the Knicks lost, but, you know, those are two of my favorite players all time, two of the players I really watched growing up, and for them to both have good games. And it was a fun game overall. One of the few times I remember the Knicks playing that ABC 2 p.m. game, so that was special. So I would have to say it was a tie between those two. So for me, um, I think, I, I mean, I have one one central one that makes me smile the most just because of how angry NBA fans were that year. And it's the Quincy AC versus John Wall game, I think of 2014-15. Uh, everybody cried, cried and cried. Why is this horrific Knicks team allowed on the TV for a national game? And I said, you're right, but here we are on TV. And your team is nowhere to be found. I'm so sorry for you that the Knicks prefer Quincy AC in a Knicks jersey versus whatever it is your team has going on. That sounds like a problem for you to deal with, not me. So I'm going to go watch this bruiser, get after it. And what did we see? We saw John Wall, gang sign John Wall, the height of his powers, go to war with Quincy AC. And to me, well, what better on Christmas than that? Everybody's expecting a good, high quality, a heartwarming game. We got a little bit of blood. I thought that was fun. I thought you're, you're going to remember that forever. Here we are seven years later. I'm like, wow, the Quincy AC game was one for the ages. I love that. Loved it. But I think aside from that, um, I, I really enjoyed the lockout year with Melo coming back. They played the, they, they played the Celtics. You had Melo, Amari, Tyson. There's like this one picture with the three of them all screaming in the paint together, like all just – arms down, like, just, like, I mean, it, it was a good game. They, you know, just, they, they beat the shit out of the Celtics. Start off the season and on Christmas at a time when we had expectations for them and you just kind of come out guns blazing. I thought that one was a lot of fun. In terms of, like, team performance and doing well, I thought that one was a lot of fun. But in terms of, like, vivid memory of just, like, like a personal favorite, like, that Quincy AC game to me was, like, one for the ages. I, I truly, I true, you know, shout out Quincy AC. It was, it was a short-lived short time here, but you made your mark, my friend. That that one's gonna live in the history books. I like those jerseys too from the AC game. I know I know I wasn't really a fan favorite, but I kind of like those. I kind of wish they did Christmas jerseys still. I feel like that's gone. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Also, what happened to earned jerseys? Because when we were never making the playoffs, they had earned jerseys for the teams that made the playoffs. Now we make the playoffs and there's no earned jerseys. What's going on? I could be wrong, but I remember earned jerseys always coming a little later than like the city and the statement jerseys. I hope I'm wrong. 
Oh, well, that would be I'm nice hoping to right. them at some point. They, they, do, they do all their unveils now for no reason at all. They do them slowly throughout the season. Like, for example, I'm just on Instagram before. Remember how we said when the, the city editions were coming out for the Knicks, they're going to have a new court, and then we look like clowns because there was no new court? Now I see a post that the court's coming out. No, I saw it on 2K when I had the city jerseys on. I had a different court, and I didn't realize at the time. I was like, wait a minute. Mike, but why are we dropping the court now after we've been wearing the city jerseys? Why not just drop it? What happened to Unison? What happened to Synergy? What happened to just giving you giving you the big show at once, the big unveil? What happened to that? Why do we have to get 10% here, 20% later? Like, why not just, you know, first we get the promos, then they're not going to wear the city jerseys for like a month. Okay. All right, fine. Now we got to wait for no reason other than you just want to make a sweep. Then we get the city jerseys, right? But now we don't get the court. Okay, now we don't get the court, whatever. Now we're going into 2022. Now we only get, what, three months of the court? How many times are they even going to use it? We might not even make the playoffs at this rate. I mean, what, what are we going to get, three, four games out of this? I mean, Wait, are they debuting it tomorrow? Are they debuting it tomorrow? Because I saw the Kiff I feel like they are. bubbling. Yeah, because they were bubbling. They're promoing something for between Kith and the Knicks, and I feel like there's nothing else to promote at this point maybe i mean i doubt they rock out new they, jerseys they just said a new game a new court coming soon but it looks like they are literally screwing in and installing the new court so i would have to imagine that means the court is down yeah or yeah else. it has to be tomorrow I'm, oh this, so it's tomorrow yeah it, it has mean, to be unless unless i'm a clown unless i'm a fool and and they don't <laughs> no I mean, he's got, he's got a, like, I'm not making things. It's a, it's a, it's a like, it, what a, a weird photo. Yeah. I mean, a, it was this. They yeah. No, that's care, it. So. That's the same one from 2K. I'm telling you. And there was it looks, the yeah. latest 2K update. I'm, this looks great. Some. This looks great. I love this. Why haven't we seen it yet? We were supposed to get it on the Lakers game, which was November 23rd, I believe. And they were just like, eh, never mind. Yeah. So I'm glad they just did the locks thing with us. Uh, the Kith, so I, I believe that. Like once I saw the Kith logo thing and I didn't see anything else, I was like, okay, we're getting the court. They'll so. never do this, but it'd be fire to have locks open instead of doing a national anthem. Just have them do whatever. Oof. That's my. So, uh... Yeah, look, I mean, hopefully it's tomorrow. Hopefully we see quickly and Kemba, everybody playing well, and it's it's on this court that we should have seen a month ago, but we're finally getting it. I mean, that would be this would be a good Christmas game to get. Kemba's still rolling. They get a win. They beat the shit out of the Bogdanovich-led Hawks that will never remember who was playing for the Hawks again after tomorrow. And uh, we ride off into the sunset at a, a rousing 15-18 and 18 as, as we try to close out 2021 with a bang. And this is time to turn up, man. Christmas is like a – it's not the halfway point, but, like, to me, it's like, all right, you got to have your shit together by this point in some form or fashion. Yeah, there's no more excuses under 2022. So, you know, do, just do your, I mean, what, what do I say all the time when I'm in Slack or I text you guys whenever I get angry about something, which is like seven, eight times a day? Just do your fucking job. The hardest. Just do, <laughs> just do your fucking job. Just, just do your job. You, you, you're a good basketball player. Just go out there and play good basketball. Just do your job. I don't, why do I have to beg people to do their jobs all the time? It's going to be on my that's, gravestone. Just, just do your jobs. Like, that's my I, second I, favorite magicism. I'm the podcast guy. All I can do is get here and be upset. Like, you know, like I can't, I can't go there and make you play good basketball. So I can only reiterate that you need to do your job. And I'm, I don't want to do that. I enjoyed last year being wildly positive and just only and coasting onto it into this season. I enjoyed that. I don't want to be angry anymore, but you're making me. And I don't like that. Just do your job. 
Just do your job tomorrow. It's it's national TV. Don't embarrass us. Just do your job. Just do your job. That's it. Please. So all said. Look, that that's all I got. You know, look, let's just get a win. Uh, appreciate you guys following. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Um, you know, supporting the merch, supporting the brand, supporting however you guys do. Uh, we had that podcast giveaway. We had a winner for that. So appreciate you guys participating in that, continuing to subscribe. Uh, the brand will continue to grow. The brand is strong, and uh, we appreciate you guys being along for the ride. So from all of us, including my dogs here, apparently, who always seem to make a cameo at the worst possible time right before I can get out of these things, uh, have a Merry you know, Christmas. Have a happy holidays. Uh, enjoy the time with your families. Enjoy the break if your employer is in a piece of shit and allows you to at least have some kind of time at home, you know, whether it's a couple of days or just a long weekend, whatever it is. Hope you guys have a good one. And hopefully we have a uh, Merry Knicks mix, most important of all. So on that note, we'll talk to you guys uh, on the other side of uh, this Christmas debacle. Adios. Happy holidays. Feliz Navidad. Take it easy, guys. Talk to you later. <laughs>